0: Dude, what do you what do you do it in Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, so was there, did I, was
0: I miss there. something I on Twitter, or is there story like what's the story here? <laughs> so I was in Hong Kong.
2: Um, I've, been, yeah, I, 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 I've been doing there the, now. I've been doing the 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 a bit of a tour. So I was in Hong Kong for a bit. Um, met up with um, some folks that were in crypto. I mean, the the grandparents were there, so went and saw the grandparents. Um, but mostly, I've just been meeting folks that are in Solana. Um, people that are in crypto and planning kind of trying to trying to plan and, and bootstrap some of the next phases for Backpack and Mad Lads. Um, so stopped there for a bit. I was mm-hmm. in Shanghai for about a day. Uh, that was totally unexpected. I basically saw some folks from from Solana in Hong Kong and they basically said, oh yeah, we're doing an event in, in Shanghai. Stop by for a day. So I went and went to Shanghai for a bit and spoke with some investors and went to the event and met some local engineers and entrepreneurs. Um, that was mostly just like, you know, Solana's is doing an event. Let's go and, and, um, expand Armani's horizons. Um, and then Taipei, I'm here for the hacker house. So that's like basically right across the street outside my, uh, hotel, uh, door here. So that should be Shit. fun. That's pretty awesome. cool.
0: Living the, living the dream. It sounds like, um,
2: what traveling sounds I, much more luxurious than it actually is. Oh,
1: I, I, I know. Exa- I know exactly what you mean. It's like yeah. traveling's like always uh, good in theory. And then you go to do it and you're just like, I'm just, I'm just exhausted like now a, and I want to rest and everyone wants yeah, to As Yeah, As and like and a
0: 22 now. year old, you're like, I, I want to like travel for business. Like maybe every week. And then like two business trips in, you're like, yeah. fuck that. This <laughs> is like, what's why uh, travel for fun only. That's, that's the mantra over here um except for when you absolutely have to but uh dude so i'm sorry there's like so much that i want to talk to you about because i met you briefly i met you briefly in lisbon but it's like uh there's there's a bunch going on there i didn't get a chance to like chat so there's so much i want to know but i need to pause real fast because i have a four-year-old who just walked in and that's for sure going to ruin the audio quality so (laughs) let me quickly mute myself Nick can take over and I will figure this out right back.
2: No, no, worry, no worries at all. I have a, <laughs> not even, I guess he's not a newborn anymore. I have a seven month old. So I've been going through the whole journey. Nice. And so can I ooh, didn't even realize it that. really yeah. awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Okay. I'll be right back for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My kid, my kid's almost uh, about, about to turn three in like two months, two, three months. So like, yeah, that, that early time is just, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you traveling with your family, or do you did your family like? Stay so they back traveled home?
2: with me to Hong Kong because again the grandparents were there, um, and then they since traveled from Hong Kong to Beijing uh, because again that's where the grandparents are. So while I'm traveling, they're all kind of together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, gotcha. That's cool, dude.
1: All right, cool, man. Yeah, I'm. I didn't get a chance to meet you at Breakpoint. I actually at Breakpoint I was literally there for the first day and then I had to leave. So I was super bummed about that. So I missed like almost all the talks. So I had to Lame. I had to watch them all remotely. Like the I yeah I know well. There's always next year right this year I guess this year yeah 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 um, uh are you by chance gonna come to the New York Hacker House that's in a month? Oh, and great a great
2: question! I keep getting asked this. Ooh. Um, not uh, intending to at the moment. Although I would love to go, but I am no. trying to okay. at some point stop boarding planes.
1: Stop stop
0: traveling for a while <laughs> it's like maybe you have a company to run and product to build i guess exactly, yeah multiple also, well, products that's, that's right? a, so...
1: like product a product a protocol and a framework like you know i'm sure he's not busy ne- at never, all never never well look look i <laughs> never that, i mean
0: that's one of the things that i want to ask you and talk to you about is is like is just on a personal level how, how do you how do you juggle being like businessman engineer of not just one, but, but multiple, you know, products, I would love to hear your, your take on that.
2: I think, I mean, it boils down to like two things. I think like one is delegation and like hiring great people um, and just putting a ton of trust in them to like do the right thing. Um, And I think that is like probably just the most important thing. Like I don't, personally like write all the code for all the products and make all of the important decisions every day there's a lot of incredible people that do those things um and so i think honestly as like as a founder ceo whatever like that's the most important part of your job just surrounding yourself with the right people everybody says it but it's because it's just it's the truth um so that's the first thing second thing is just like you know um i forgot where i heard this but I think it's like mostly correct, which is just like to say high pain tolerance um the other thing is like you know when you when you have a single kind of entity or product, you get a lot of feedback um that feedback comes in like all sorts of forms it's good feedback, bad feedback um just a lot of people claming for your attention, especially once you have users um and then you know you multiply that by by n and then you have n times the number of feedback, and then it quickly you know becomes overwhelming um and so I think. Being able to handle that and, and gracefully um, juggle between all of those things is quite important. So yeah, I don't think there's any like secret sauce.
0: Well, I mean, look, hiring the right people, like like surrounding yourself with the right people is inherently challenging. And then to make it even more difficult, trusting them enough to, to do their thing and, and yeah. let them have some leash is also immensely challenging. So uh, I mean, I guess this is a two-parter, right. Is like, a, do you think you're good at it? I, I, I know the, uh, the right answer is like, obviously you are because things are, things are working great, but sometimes how we feel is different. So do you think you're good at it? And B when, when did you feel like you started figuring that out? You know, cause, cause that's not just, that's not a natural thing for most people.
2: Yeah. I think, I don't know if I'm good at it. I think, um, I think I realized how important it was um, just by observing other people. Um, Like I think, I think Anatoly is like a really good example of of somebody who's like uh, building this insane, insane system. It's like truly like (laughs) mind blowing if you really think about what Solana is actually doing under the hood, and he's doing it on a scale that like nobody's really done it before, at least on the engineering side. And then on top of that, he's got like this entire crazy ecosystem of, of heterogeneous protocols and people with different incentives. And then on top of that, he not only has his organization, but an organization that's like very closely related that very much, you know, depends on the hard work that he's doing. And then all of these like, you know, hundreds or thousands of organizations and people that also depend on him. And, and I think like he's a good example of that. I think you know Ethereum and Vitalik is another really good example of that. Um, Vitalik's actually really interesting as a case study because, at least as far as I can tell, I haven't really paid attention to Ethereum since like 2017, 2018. Um, but like at that time, <laughs> it was really interesting to see his all work, his whole workflow. It would basically be like he comes with, up with a oh, amazing idea he writes this like incredible blog posts or, or post on on a forum on discourse and then like the entire ecosystem just runs with it and it, he would really provide plant the seeds that would then like kind of blossom into into flowers and i thought that was a really cool example so anyway i'm rambling at this point but i think like you know i, I don't think there was ever any one point where i switched it on I, but i think that just observing people do this stuff, I think it kind of just clicks. And also you kind of just like figure it out on the fly, right? It's like, well, you know, I have a problem. How do I solve the problem? And it's usually not, oh, Armani writes more code. It's like, oh, Armani helps other people write more code. And it becomes this like meta machine kind of problem. Instead of like building the low level kind of uh, computer program, you're building the computer program that writes the computer program. But it turns out you're programming people instead of computers.
0: You're you're gonna you're gonna like hear a theme in all my questions because I'm I'm presently fascinated <laughs> with how to flip that switch right and and sort of like be, be a leader right be, become a leader and 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 elevate yourself uh, from doing the thing to like doing the meta thing that you're that you're describing. Um, so I, I guess like how did it happen? For you, you said that you said the, the switch never flipped. It's like something got you to this point. Something, what, yeah, ambi- ambition, uh, masochism, like I, you know, like, so, like something, something made you go, <laughs> like, okay, I'm a programmer and I, and I like being an engineer to like, hmm, I want to do more than I could do solo. That yeah. means create, building a team. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm curious what that process was. For you and I know a little bit about your background. I don't. I, I don't necessarily want to make you rehash all of your background because I, I think you've done some public appearances and and people probably know some of it. Um, but I am interested in the motivation and the why behind your background, if that makes sense.
2: So I think why this is maybe an interesting question right now is that I, it's funny because you, you, you frame the question as if I'm already like Elon Musk or whatever. Right. Uh, but, but, but I haven't gotten, I, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Right. I'm not like an Anatoly or a, or a, one of these really successful entrepreneurs that have like exited and have proven that they have been able to do it. Right. I'm in like the middle, right. I I'm, I'm not like in the beginning where I've like have done nothing. I'm just maybe just like an engineer looking to leave a company. I'm not at the, the end where I've already exited and I've been proven to be successful. Uh, I mean, I've done successful things and I've built products and, and and code that a lot of people use, but I've never actually founded a startup from beginning to end successfully, right? I, I, I founded a startup and I'm in the middle and I'm like in the trenches. And so like my perspective on this might be a little less, uh, it might be a little noisy and cloudy because I'm very much like figuring it out. Like as of today, um, but I can give you my take from from that point of view. I think up until now, I really started um, and honestly continued to 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 act as much of an engineer as possible. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean like an individual contributor, um, where you know I didn't like you know write this like you know insane business plan and think you know these are going to be the milestones and these are going to be the people that we're going to hire and we're going to go um, go out and raise and, and, and then start building. Um, a lot of that stuff happened, uh, but it wasn't the first thing that happened. I really, you know, try to, I, you know, if we we're going to talk about leadership. I think like I try to lead by just doing um, and just trying to be the engineer um, and the individual contributor um, and the like, you know, individual creative person that I want to work with. Um, and so that comes... From leading by example, I suppose. So showing up in the office every day, contributing the type of code that I want to see. Um, you know, whether that code is like super clean and super structured and never has bugs in it, or whether that code is super sloppy and dirty and really fast, um, but like ships it quickly and gets the thing that I want to get done. Um, you know, I think that is like the type of of of, of I guess. Leadership and standards that we try to create in the organization. It's like there's not a lot of middle management. There's not a lot of people that tell other people what to do. Uh, it's really just you know get a bunch of doers together, and and go do the thing with as uh, the least amount of friction, the least amount of red tape, the least amount of bureaucracy and messy human um, stuff as, as possible. I don't know if you've been to a bunch of, I've been at enough startups, I think that I, I before like doing Backpack and XNFTs and, and, and Mad Lads and, and Anchor and all these things, I was able to like kind of definitely experience a lot of organizational structures that I didn't like and, and to think a bit about organis- organizational structures that I did like. And that's not to say that I haven't figured out because I definitely don't. I think basically the main theme I've run across with basically every single startup, um, including mine, is that there? Every startup is basically a shit show in, in some way, shape, or form, right? Whether you know whether you don't have product market fit, or whether you do have product market fit, and the employees want to revolt, or so they're talking about politics, um, or you know you have legal regulatory problems, um, or you have some cataclysmic event like a bug or a vulnerability. Um, or, you know, people just don't like each other or there's a founder's dispute. Like the list goes on and on and on. And every startup has its own manifestation of these problems, uh, but every startup has problems. Um, and from my point of view, it's really not about like minimizing problems. Um, although that is important. Uh, it's about maximizing the value and there's a subtle subtle difference. Um, and the easiest way to like think about this is just like, from the perspective of a single kind of engineer and from the perspective of just like opportunity costs, right, it's really simple, right? Every day you show up and you you can do one of two things, right, you can minimize problems or maximize value or minimize costs or maximize value. So I could like go fix bugs or or write my code a little more slowly, make sure there are zero bugs or instead I can go do a new feature and I can leave that bug there in production. Um, And the question is, well, which one of these two things should you do, right? and I think it depends on the use case, right? Obviously, if you're doing DeFi, if you're creating some type of application that handles people's money, you probably should fix the bugs depending upon what the bugs are. Some bugs are just like unacceptable. of user funds are unacceptable. Exploits in DeFi are unacceptable. Uh, but if you're building like a social app, but like, and, and your like counter is wrong, who cares, right? And, and your code shouldn't be perfect. It shouldn't necessarily be clean. It shouldn't necessarily be tested at all. You should just go into work and just like do the thing, right? Um, and, and, and so these are t- kind of the types of, of, of things to consider. And, and I think the only way that I've found that, I've, that has worked has just been to like instill into kind of the company culture, those things by just like doing them myself. Um, and to just have so much you know, work that you don't think about all the problems. You just think about what's the next problem? What's the next problem? What's the next problem? Um, because it's very much like a do or die attitude. Um, And I think a lot of people don't think about this in startups, especially if you're not not looking at like the runway and you're not looking at like the balance sheet and you're not like talking to investors all the time and thinking about the macro environment. But when you're at like a venture backed startup, it's not like, you know, it's not like a question of like, um, you know, do or die or it's not a question. It is a question of do or die. It's not a question of like, you know, um, morally being like you know uh correct or, or or work-life balance or any of these things it's just like oh this startup's either going to live or it's going to die you like ha- have to make your choice um especially if it's venture backed. if it's not be- venture back then it's a totally different ball game but if you are venture backed, then like those are your basic those are basically your two choices um and, and so i think these are kind of a lot of like the meta level cons- considerations that go into like how you set up a company and how the company culture develops. And then operationally speaking, how you kind of instill those values is kind of up to you. But, you know, I think I've always just done it by just showing up to work and and, and just doing the work. I don't think there's any kind of single answer, but that's kind of been my style.
1: I love that. I think, first of all, I, <laughs> you could totally... Have motivational speeches that people would listen to, especially developers. And like that entire, however long that was, like a couple of minutes to to five, 10 minutes or whatever, like that is like an entirely motivational speech of company culture building and just like doing. I'm, I am so pumped right now. I'm always pumped though. But like, I think one of the coolest things that I like, I see from the outside looking in of, of everything that you're doing is. And like it's it's the same thing with uh, Vitalik and with Anatoly, all three of you, like face it or not, or like like it or not, all three of you are on this pedestal of you're all doing very important work in and around like the whole world with blockchain technology, and I think the the thing that a lot of people might realize some amount, but like maybe it's a little bit sub- subconscious is that all three of you are very incredibly level-headed and just down to earth. And if you think about like the global reach that all of you have, it's just you, frankly, you have an immense global reach, like large followings. Sure. But like the global impact that each of you are having and just the fact that you're all so level-headed and just like, Oh, you know, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just a person. And it's like, it's phenomenal. We need more types of people like that in the world. And I just, it's a motivational speech i am going <laughs> to listen to this again later it's going to be like get pumped up for a coding session or something I'm, like yeah armani's just i mean it's got it. look that's that's true i
0: i um it's like lead by doing is i think a a phenomenal yeah like mantra i, I like I, I don't know if that's uh how you think about it on a daily basis but uh it's certainly what you're doing which is which is freaking awesome um but doing that's hard right cuz it's like you, that you you do have to lead, and there is, even in a company with very little bureaucracy, there there's, there, still are decisions you have to make as as the CEO, as the founder, you know? And so you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to take on the responsibilities of an individual contributor plus, plus right, these, these difficult decisions. Um, plus some. And that's tough. And so the fact that you can talk about that with such humility is I think says a lot about like your character. I, I certainly I certainly appreciate uh appreciated the way you just talked about it. So thank thanks for that. Um I I yeah I could keep pulling this thread. In fact I'm tempted to keep pulling this thread and just like keep digging into kind of like motivation and that <laughs> that sort of things. But but I, I do feel like maybe we should uh talk a little bit about the the what of of what you're building, right? Um, I, I may be most interested in sort of the why and the motivations, but there is there is a big uh, elephant in the room of like what you're building and the way that it impacts the crypto community and and hopefully beyond the crypto community, you know, at, at some point. So, um, yeah, Nick, do you have any specific questions? Because I, I feel like I, I took the last couple. I don't want to uh, no, intrude no, I, too much. Yeah,
1: I think like specific <laughs> questions on like what you're building. So obviously... If anyone's listening to this and they oh don't know gosh. who you are, I'd be very, very surprised. But it's like you have three primary, we'll call them products. You have Anchor as the framework, XNFTs as the protocol, and then Backpack as the product, right? I guess like, my question is, what is driving you and or Coral as an organization to build and maintain these three Different uh, different products and like what like what's your end goal that you see from from building each of these?
2: That's a great question. I think like the motivation comes from two things. If I had to ascribe some explanation to it, the first and like core thing is really just that if we weren't doing these things well then we would have more time on our hands and then we should be doing other things um and so we just like do things it's like really as simple as that um <laughs> armani we just do things <laughs> uh, but 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 it but it, but it's really kind of, of like that simple right it's like you know okay you want to have impact um you want to make a successful business and make money but i think like at the end of the day there's simply just like a culture of people that if they weren't doing this, they would be doing something else. But they certainly would be, they certainly would be doing it, whatever that, whatever it is. Um, and so, like, I, I'm I'm a programmer. I like to code things. I like to work with other engineers and product designers. I love being in crypto. Um, there's a lot of important problems to solve, and so we should go solve them. And 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 it's it's, it's, it's that's basically what it comes down to. Um, and I don't think there's any kind of more complicated explanation. Uh, so so uh, in, in the ratio of like,
0: <laughs> of like, how successful do I think this will be as, as a business product versus how interested am I in this existing in the world? How, what's, what's the ratio there in your decision-making when you're like, we're going to do this new thing, is it, is it 50, 50, is it only 10% where you're thinking about revenue and the rest you're like, I just think it's an interesting
2: problem. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. So the basic way I think about it is that if it's a really interesting problem, but I can't afford to actually solve the problem because I don't have money or I don't have the ability to scale a team. Then well, the problem maybe isn't all too interesting. So I'm not going to get very far by myself. But if the problem is a super like high quality business problem and I can raise a bunch of money, um, and you know, there's a a great way for it to become a profitable business and, and a path for an exit, but it's not very interesting, then I'm probably not gonna achieve it, right? So you have to balance these two things. And so I don't know what the exact ratio is but you are basically constantly evaluating this like multivariate multivariate function of like what's the expected value of kind of some set of actions given your interest level and given your estimate of its sustainability as a as, as a as a company ideally those two things intersect and when they do intersect that's when you get these like amazing outcomes right that's like the only possible way you can work like you know seven days a week is if you really, if, if like there's nothing else you want to do and then it's also like a great business and then you can have this outsized impact. Um, And, and if either of those things aren't, aren't true, then, you know, maybe you can work seven days a week, but it's not going to have much impact or maybe it will have a bunch of impact, but you don't work seven days a week. And so you get out competed by, by the next person that does love that problem. So I would say that it's, you know, given that's the case, if I had to pull a number out of a hat, it's probably one-to-one, so 50-50, cool. but I don't know, never really thought about that.
0: Well, it sounds like, sounds like you treat them as complementary rather than oppositional, right? Where it's like, yeah. I am more interested in problems that I think I can find resources to solve, right? So yeah, they actually yeah, go exactly. more hand-in-hand hand than they otherwise would. Uh, what about, I mean, I guess that that begs the question, like, what's on your mind? What's interesting?
2: What's right? Like,
0: what what are you and and your organization thinking about right now?
2: I think the big thing that has been on my mind for the past year or so is if you look at the set of problems in the space that the majority of people in crypto have been trying to solve, or where all the capital has flown to. I mean, th- there's been exciting things like DeFi and NFTs these things that have generated the majority of demand for block space. But I feel like the majority of, of, of capital, I don't know if that's a statement that can be actually, you know, uh, substantiated in a quantifiable way, but the, morally speaking, it feels like the majority of problems and the majority of capital has flown towards block chase block space supply generation. So L1s, L2s, developer tooling, these types of things. And so we're making all these incredible arenas, uh, but it doesn't appear to be, t- it, 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 and from my perspective, it doesn't appear that there's many people sitting in the seats. There's not a lot of block space demand. It's like, sadly, uh, it's a sad group of, 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 it's a sadly small group of people that are actually using this stuff every day. And so from my perspective, that's the most like exciting category of problems to solve because I feel like there's pretty good developer tooling at this point um i feel like there's pretty good blockchain scaling maybe not perfect but it's definitely orders of magnitude better than where we were a couple years ago but demand hasn't necessarily caught up to that it's definitely gone up but i think there's a lot of important work to do which is to say well how do we build useful products that all surprise and delights and 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 give people joy and make their lives fundamentally better. And I think, you know, and things that are outside of the realm of like, you know, the less realm of experiments, right? You know, I think DeFi and, and NFTs were, were a great example and they continue to be wonderful examples. But I'd like to see people continue to iterate on those things. And that's very much like what we're trying to do. It's all about like, Backpack is a consumer application and everything else is more or less an implementation detail, whether it's XNFT protocols or smart contracts or L1s. We're really trying to think of this from the perspective of, you know, everyday people and building stuff that, you know, makes their lives better. Um, And so I think that's the category of problems that makes me most excited. So
0: is it fair to say like working backward from, from sort of trying to understand your thought process, is it fair to say that backpack rather than being like oh we're going to build a wallet backpack was the natural extension of you saying we need better consumer apps in crypto and in order yep. to do that we think there needs to be like applications embedded in a wallet so that the UX is is better is that more, i mean maybe it wasn't exactly like that from the beginning but is that a little bit like the arc of of how that came to be
2: yeah yeah for sure i think I would love to tell. I would love to like have like. I would. I would love to like. Um, what's what's the word? Pretend like history worked that way, or like, oh yeah, I had this <laughs> I had this. I had this grandiose idea, and, and and we were like, all right, we're gonna change the world, and and this is the, the end product, and we're, we're gonna figure out the path um, to get there. Uh, but at least for me, I don't know about for other people. Although I think probably for other people it tends to not work that way. It tends or for for me at least, it's like you have this starting point, which is more or less anchor. And then you're kind of like going this like windy path and, and like bumping into stuff and then, you know, um, trying different things and different experiments. And then eventually finding something that you, an experiment that you think is like worth pursuing. And I think, you know, um, it, that that is more or less kind of what happened. I think we started with smart contracts and then a nice, natural progression was to move up to the UI layer. A nice kind of analogy I like to give is that, well, if smart contracts are the back end, then XNFTs are the front end. And so like full stack decentralized apps was kind of like the first thing.
1: Yeah. That's, that, that's like a perfect yeah. analogy actually. Yeah. And,
2: and, and so I think that was like kind of the, the protocol layer was really like, what are the interesting things that we can do with a blockchain that haven't been done before? it's like, yeah, obviously tokenized code. We all write code. Everybody's an engineer. Like, of course you should tokenize code. Why hasn't anybody done this before? Um, and, and, and so I think that it was more from that perspective. Although we were thinking of it, of it from the perspective of like specific apps. Like, I think the other big lever that honestly not a lot of people pull on in crypto is incentives. I mean, people make tokens and stuff like that. But nobody really thinks about coherent incentive systems. And the people that do tend to like build really exciting stuff. And so it actually all started from like, oh, well, how do we build new incentive protocols? I think um, things like rabbit hole and and, and I I think on on Ethereum is what it's called, like the quest system, Um, things like that, I think are super interesting to me. Um, Reward systems are super interesting to me because that's like one of the really magical parts about crypto. It's like, well, I can get all these people around the world to care about the same thing when they otherwise would never have crossed paths. And incentives basically drive human behavior. And I think it allows, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. products and startups to solve a a lot of really hard problems. Like we very much think about incentives a lot, especially from the perspective of of the product. But that's like a whole another conversation um, that I'm happy to go into. But I think it was kind of from that bottom up perspective rather than top down. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. I kind of want to circle back to like a general theme that you're talking about of kind of how you think about effectively how to onboard more people into the crypto ecosystem so that way they can get more value out of it, whether that's, you know, correctly aligning incentives using whatever mechanism ends up working. I'm curious, are there like specific, or maybe even like a general idea of concepts that you, concepts or products or something that you like personally think are, like good to work on in that space and like could help could help maybe onboard the next users, but like you're not really seeing anybody work on those types of things for, for whatever reason, maybe it's, it's too hard. It's not business, you know, maybe it wouldn't make a great business, but maybe like grant funding type thing would, would help sustain such a project or, or or things like that. Like what problems can blockchain solve that are, that no one is working on, but are still, something good to actually build. Yeah, I
2: think um, before going into that, diving into that second point, definitely want to touch on, I guess, what popped in my mind when you were first kind of asking that question, which is to say when you're building on, in crypto or really anywhere, but particularly in crypto, there are basically two um, ways of looking at the problem of of mass user adoption. There's, on the one hand, minimizing friction during onboarding. So you have a funnel, make sure they don't fall off. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, there's, well, building something so unique, so interesting, so demand generating that the friction on board doesn't really matter because people are so compelled to use it that they're just going to go use it no matter what. And I think these are basically the two the two things. And your, your question kind of gets at, at the second one. Um, but I think a lot of yeah. opportunities actually in the first category as well. Where it's a lot of things that are really boring really simple uh but or maybe simple uh, the idea is simple but the execution is quite hard like a great example of this is fiat um fiat rails like the idea is super simple every person around the world should be able to very easily go from their local currency um into SOL or into eth or into uscc or whatever it is and that's Kind of a no-brainer because once you can do that, then you can access kind of the crypto world, right? You can buy NFTs, you can you know send payments to people internationally, you can play ga- crypto games, you know whatever use case that you care about, you can use DeFi. Uh, but that turns out to be a really hard problem because there's all sorts of challenges, right? You have to have bank accounts all around the world, you have to have really good lawyers, you have to have really good understanding of the regulatory landscape, uh, you have to have really secure systems that are handling people's money and um, making sure that you don't lose it. You have to have really good customer support. Uh, it's this big operational challenge, but that the only teams that have really solved this really well are more or less kind of exchanges, but everybody needs it, right? Wallets need it. It's like probably as important for a wallet as it is for any other type of company, but any app needs it, right? Games need it. Um, you know, NFT marketplaces need it. Anytime you want to onboard people, if I'm just sitting, you know, in a bar here in Taipei and I'm showing somebody, oh yeah, check out my Mad Lad, right? Well, and they get super excited. How do I onboard them, right? And the easiest way right now, it's like, all right, go set up your MetaMask or whatever or Phantom, and, you know, transfer, give me your address and I'll just transfer you money, right? But there's no way for them to like really, I mean, you use MoonPay or Stripe or whatever, but those services all have kind of their own issues and maybe they don't work in certain parts of the world uh and they're you know great companies but i think there there's still a lot of friction there and this is like not even getting to like key management and 24 word seed phrases and that whole you know category of of problems but i think there's i think this is like a, a a very interesting place to search for ideas and it's not even about ideas it's just about execution um and then the second point, which is like, oh, we'll just build something so uniquely interesting that there's demand for it. I think we've approached this problem in in, in basically two ways. Uh, the first way is basically just like scratching our own itch, right? We wanted to build Anchor, so we built Anchor. We wanted to build XNFTs, so we built XNFTs. In order for XNFTs to work, we needed a wallet, so we built a backpack. Um, But then the fourth way that we, we've kind of gone at this is kind of a unique thing that i haven't seen a lot of i think we might be honestly one of the first projects to do this maybe not the first but i think we've been the first that have done this like in a really thorough way which is community driven development which is to say that we built this nft project we built this community we have these ten thousand pieces of artwork with about you know four to five thousand unique people all around the world and we you know say to ourselves every day well how do we create value for them right what products we build whether it's product through XNFTs or through Backpack or through the wallet or, or whatever. Um, and that has been like a really interesting way to to build product, right? You have this very nice tight feedback loop where you have this Discord or group chat full of people that are, you know, super excited about what you're building. They're incentivized to um, to support it. And it's a great test bed for, for, for iterating on product. So I think, you know, that doesn't answer to the question, like what are the interesting things to build but i think that is a good algorithm for figuring out interesting things to build and it's a scary algorithm because you don't know how it's going to end up right Um, there's a lot of uncertainty with that there's like dealing with this like mass group of people that might get you know upset 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 at you for making the wrong decision i might say something on the podcast that's bad (laughs) uh but it's also super exciting and super rewarding no such thing right because you know you also could just get to meet a bunch of incredible people and and get here their valuable insights that are kind of unique to you know their life experiences and i think that's also just like been an incredible journey and is an awesome way to to build and so that's kind of been the path that we've been going down that i think is like pretty unique do you think this
1: type of community driven development can scale like like take mad lads for example it's a it's a 10k nft collection in the grand scheme of the world like 10,000 people at most is is not a whole lot of people. Do you think this type of of guided community guided development and, and product development can scale to mass numbers in the same like fashion, or do you think at some point it just like kind of starts to fall off because there's just too many people? Yeah,
2: the way I think about it is that ten thousand people looks very different from a million people. That that's not gonna scale linearly. But it doesn't have to scale. It's like that famous, like Paul Graham saying, "Do things that don't scale.
1: Do things that don't scale. Find a
2: thousand die-hard people that will live and die by your product, and then just do everything you possibly can in your power to like make their experience just wonderful, and just build for those people. Uh, And that doesn't scale, but it's a great way to build a product. And I think that has more or less been our approach. I love it." That's sick. I I think the other kind of unique property to touch on is we went into this with a very very concrete intention for the community which is to say that like you know we're not building community for sake of building community although we do love community it has been incredibly personally rewarding but there is like a, a goal for them because communities do need something to rally behind. I think I was talking with Anatoly on Twitter, we were like talking about community and stuff. And I was like, yeah, community is like the most important thing. And he made a good point, which is to say that like, oh, it's not enough to just like want to be friends with people. You actually need a purpose for them, right? People are, are, you know, there's so many people around the world, but like, you know, in order you need to align people. And for us, we did have a very specific purpose. We want to have this NFT project or really, I think of it as like this organism that wants to grow itself maybe from 10,000 to 20,000 to 30,000 to 100,000. And we, we want to grow itself for the purpose of achieving some type of critical mass so that we can bootstrap a network effect for everything that we're doing, right? Backpack in XNFTs has a very clear network effect where on the one hand you have demand, you have users, you have consumers. And on the other hand, you have developers, you have protocols, you have blockchains that are building stuff for these users. And the more of those, you know, the more of each side we get, the more value that is created for each kind of marginal user that comes into the system. And so, I think it's important to have that kind of foundation if building like a product in this in this way. Which is to say that, like, well, you need to have um, a purpose for the community. And I think bootstrapping network effects is maybe one of the most scalable and really compelling use cases for this type of product development.
0: I'm, I'm real time trying to like synthesize in my brain, everything you just said. I, I love, I love hearing people's like philosophies, right. On, on how to, how to build things. Um, What is, so it's like, you, you talk about this network effect and, and, and the critical mass Uh, so that in order to support what you're building, what does that end game look like? Right. So it's like, once you get that critical mass to where you do have a hundred thousand or hundreds of thousands or millions even, right. Uh, what do you, and I get, look, this, this touches a little bit on like your point that you're not, that you're doing things bottom up. So maybe you don't know, but there's gotta be some daydreaming about like, what does that look like and what do you want it to be? So, so obviously knowing that it will change and course correct over time, what does that look like in your mind? When you're daydreaming about the future
2: yeah it's it's really simple i should be able to pull out my phone type in type in nick or james and be able to send you an nft i can't do that right now because we're not all on, the t- on the same network um but 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 you know i think being able to interact with with anybody on the planet um and send them crypto or do something in the you know crypto cultural sphere is more or less the end game Right. And so every person that comes into the app, that app becomes more useful for them because my friends are in there, my family's in there, my coworkers are in there. Yeah. You get the full
1: network effect as it grows bigger and bigger. Yeah.
2: And like the way those use cases manifest itself um, might be different for different people. It might be different based on what the future holds, but it's really as simple as that level of convenience where crypto is just a fundamental part of our daily lives.
0: What are the use cases so I agree with you that like the use cases are gonna, be, are gonna be different for everyone, right? It's like some person might care about this slice of crypto, et cetera. But if you had those network effects today, right? What are the use cases that would matter most to you that you think would be part of your daily life, just inherent in everything you do and the way you interact with people?
2: Yeah, I think there's like a set of, uh, of, of tiers And as you go up the tiers, i become less confident in them. But I think they're all quite exciting. So like foundationally, you have a wallet and you have the ability to transfer value. And so you can think of this from the perspective of like Venmo, from the perspective of like Robinhood or E-Trade, from the perspective of, you know, just, you know, the ability to access your wallet and transfer value to anyone around the world, irrespective of what country they're in. And this is like the core primitive that you have. Right. And I think, you know, international payments is just like one of the killer use cases, I think for, for crypto and blockchains, that's very obviously a 10 X on the status quo, just like a much better version of like the existing financial infrastructure. And this is like your core primitive, right? You have a set set of private keys, you have a username, you have a pub key, you have a social graph um, and you have your finances all kind of like together. And I think on top of this primitive, a bunch of cool stuff can be layered in the end game. I think the next kind of less obvious, but I think thing that we've all settled on in the crypto world is thinking about, oh, what if we just like move TradFi onto blockchain rails? And I think that continues to be exciting. I think, um, you know, there continues to be like a lot of really cool innovation in DeFi, you know, whether it's like the over collateralization of, of things like lending um or on-chain dexs i think to just to be like a fundamental part of crypto because if ever, if you have this like token economy and everything's you know whether it's an nft or a fungible token needs to be on chain then like well you need the ability to facilitate transfer on-chain right so trading is just like fundamental right um and so this is kind of like the first like obvious batch of things that like we have an industry have settled on i think over the past couple of years and then like where, when it starts getting exciting is like when you start expanding your your mind beyond these things and and what does that look like right um and I think social use cases are really exciting to me one of the first things that we built inside a backpack was you know a a messaging app right and we're not like a messenger first and foremost right um we're not trying to necessarily compete with telegram or iMessage or signal um I think I think that would be awesome to do and like you know in the end say in like five years but it's not like the starting point for us it's more of oh, I want to like look up James and like go bid on his NFT or I want to go look up, you know, Nick and go send him some, some tokens. But as soon as you layer in like messaging in a social graph, then, you know, you start unlocking some pretty interesting use cases, whether it's peer-to-peer bartering, whether it's controlling the multisig or whether it's, you know, uh, you know, buying dinner with, you know, uh, with my friends and we're all splitting a bill. I think these are all like very real kind of use cases that, you know, you can't do with existing kind of crypto wallets today. But then as soon as you have these things, right, you have messaging, you have a wallet, uh, you have the ability to trade, you have the ability to facilitate transfer. Then things like gaming starts getting like pretty interesting, right? And you start thinking about, oh, well, what's like the Facebook, WeChat, iOS mobile mini game playbook that has been run several times in the past, right? And what does that look like uh, in crypto? And I think this is one of those things that like, it seems so obvious to me, but nobody has really executed on it in a like really coherent way. And I think it's because it requires so many different aspects to the product to do it really well. But as soon as you have like global distribution, you have like a million, hundred million people on a platform. As soon as you have, you know, great fiat onboarding, as soon as you have really good payment rails, as soon as you have a good social graph um, for playing games, all of these things, I think the gaming kind of economy becomes like a very real thing and gamification becomes a very kind of important um, element to the product because I think crypto like is very gamified. It is kind of just a game to a lot of people in terms of like the way they think of it. It's like is and MMO. That was like the meme that circulated in like like 2020 or whatever. And I think this is kind of a little further out, but I think we're seeing a lot of people like make steps there and is one of those kind of like, it's one of those ideas and one of those like kind of um, realms of uh, or categories of problems that it's like, so it's like stretches your imagination, but it's not so far out into the future that you think it's infeasible and you think it's very likely to happen. And I think that, I think there's like the different tiers of, of, of of problems and, and products and, and elements of, 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 of the kind of, you know, product universe that exists that I think will be exciting to explore in the future.
0: That's a great way to think about it. I I love the like hierarchy that you, that you place that in Um, and, and, and describing it. I don't know. I, for some reason it's like, I've never thought about it as yeah, these things are a byproduct of network effects, right? Like they don't work until, until we're all in, in the same network, but that makes perfect sense. That's, that's exactly what we do now with, with, you know, Twitter with different messaging apps with, right, is, is it's like you're, you're drawn to a specific application in large part because of the network that is already there and what that does for you. So um, super cool. And I think, and I think crypto enables uh, a, a way to use that network that, that maybe doesn't uh, exist without crypto, right? Like you said, that foundational uh, ability to leverage the network to transfer value doesn't, doesn't really exist in your standard messaging app or, or social media app. So that's that, I think that's a, that's a super novel, cool way to think about it. So appreciate you, uh, you sharing that. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like maybe we wrap there, Nick, anything that you're like digging? Yeah. that's I could, I could probably go on for a couple of hours, but we sort of, we all, we oh, also yeah. have like a, uh, uh not like a hard and fast time limit but we roughly stick to a a you know that around this time so so i think we should leave this open for a part two if uh because we would love to oh i would to keep picking that. your brain on on a bunch of different topics I now that i was trying to trip you up but like all of your answers left me like oh shit he had a really good answer for that <laughs> you know so i i'd love to just keep it going at some point in the
2: future if you're cool with that yeah. Yeah. Anytime.
0: All right, man. Well, cool. Thanks so much for jumping on. You're on the other side of the world right now uh, and you woke up early to do this. I, I couldn't be more grateful uh, for the opportunity to chat with you.
2: Yeah. I think uh, it's a great time to end it there. Cause I think it could only go downhill after this kind of James. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, to the listeners, we will uh,
0: see you all next week.